The Church Media Podcast, episode 160, Putting Creative Ideas into Action with Jason Diba and Ryan McCormick. Part one, let's do it. This is the Church Media Podcast. The definitive podcast for helping you create dynamic experiences and build solid media production teams at your church. Exclusive interviews and church media training from the best minds in ministry and Christian entertainment. Useful, practical content in the areas of audio, lighting, video, stage design, volunteer culture, and more. Broadcasting from the ministry headquarters of 1230 Media, here's your host, Carl Barnhill. Hello and welcome to the Church Media Podcast. Lots of new folks are joining us. So if you are new to the party, welcome. Be sure to take a dive into our archives at thechurchmediapodcast.com. 159 episodes have come before this one. So a lot of people bounce around based on the topic that they are interested in learning about. So feel free to do that. Thechurchmediapodcast.com, again, is our URL. I want to remind you again this week of our brand new student ministry arm of 1230. We are slowly launching this. We've started with some blog posts. We're launching a video podcast hosted by our team members, Trevor Miller and Daniel Stavanis. We call him Stal or Stallion. Our vision at 1230 is to help you transform your worship experiences. In your church, you have adult, children's, and student worship experiences happening every week. So the youth room is all about helping student pastors and leaders transform their student worship experiences. We offer student worship media, service packs, series boxes, lyric media, and mini-movies all geared towards students. We also offer custom media to student ministries. We have dozens of youth pastors that come to us with their series idea, and we create bumpers, trailers, social media graphics, promo videos, and more from scratch for their students. We also offer training through our youth room blog posts and podcast. So worship and custom media and training directed right at the student pastor at your church. You can check it out at 1230.media forward slash the youth room. That's 1230.media forward slash the youth room for more info. Today on the podcast, I welcome back Jason Diba and Ryan McCormick from Passion City Church. We're switching topics today and next week and talking about putting your creative ideas into action. We'll be talking through how to develop, delegate, and distribute your creative ideas along with how to determine their value. You'll hear part one of my convo with Jason and Ryan right after this church media tip. Fire it. And now, your church media tip of the week. Useful tips and tricks to help you transform the worship experiences at your church. Hey guys, this is Steve Dirks from Shannon Baptist Church with another church media tip. Alt-Enter is a huge shortcut that I use. Alt-Enter lets you split a group of text into two slides. This is useful when you import a song from Song Select or another source and the text doesn't flow the way you like. To use Alt-Enter, Edit a slide in the song editor. Click on the spot in the lyrics where you want to split the text and hit Alt and Enter on your keyboard and the magic will happen before your eyes. Simple, easy church media tip this week. In ProPresenter, use Alt, Enter. Get more free coaching for your production team through our blog, podcast, and online resource library. Visit 1230.media slash training today. 
This is an exclusive interview from the ministry of 1230 Media. Here is church media coach Carl Barnhill. I want to kind of switch gears with you guys a little bit and uh, just kind of switch topics and talk about putting ideas into action. Okay, so uh, let's uh, help us get us started here. What are your initial thoughts on creativity and putting ideas into action? What are some ways that you guys have discovered to put your uh, create creative ideas to work? Well, I jokingly told Jason the other day that and the same reason a lot of people will go look at houses and when they're like in the home market and they're like house shopping and things like that, I have heard people say before, yeah, well, I just didn't like the wall color. I really thought those wall, you know, the house was great, but the walls were terrible. The location was awesome, but I didn't really like that color. Yeah. And, and that's a, that's a evident thinking and mentality that happens in everything. If people don't have the ability to imagine well, all I have to do is change the paint. Paint's the easiest thing in a home process. Like, you can, in one afternoon, change the paint and change the color of things, and it can change the whole look of something. Yes. But we don't live in a very imaginative society, and especially outside of the creative world. We're creatives for a reason because we have this imaginative piece to us. Yeah. And so when you're presenting and putting a creative idea into action, you really have to, like, go out and paint the walls. Yeah. You have to go, hey, I'm going to create an experience so I can actually see what I'm saying yes and what I'm no to. That requires uh, renderings. That requires getting into Google SketchUp and actually drawing something out and not just sending, hey, I saw this on a Pinterest board. Here's my Pinterest board of what I think a cool environment might look like. That's not particularly helpful because I have no idea how that's going to translate into our real environment. And we've all seen all the Pinterest fails of where people try to, like, recreate something cool they saw on Pinterest, and then it, like, looks atrocious afterwards. It's like you're not giving any vision for what it's actually going to look like. And so when we're taking creative ideas and taking an action, we spend a lot of time making real renderings, like, and making real mood boards and really specific things so I can go, oh, I know exactly what it's going to look like. When I walk in the doors at Passion City Church, I know what this environment piece is going to look like. I know what the stage design is going to look like. I can hear a mock-up of um, the audio piece. We did a piece for Easter a few months ago that we actually went into the studio and tracked pieces and recorded pieces so that the demo that we had, so that the band could rehearse to, actually sounded like a real piece as opposed to someone going, hey, let me record this on my iPhone. We're like, no, we really want to make sure we're giving people an accurate representation of the piece that they're going to see. Nice. Nice. All right. So, Jason, uh, you're, you, um, I, I'm guessing that you grew up in church world because on this topic of putting creative ideas in action, you've got like five Ds. Uh, so you definitely hit, heard some Baptist sermons back in the day or something. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, so get it, kind of get us started with your first one. You have several things for us to consider uh, when putting creative ideas into action. The first one, uh, your first D is dream, right? Flesh that out for us. Yeah. So when, especially when it comes down to brainstorming, I think that's where a lot of people are going to start. Um, some people might just see something and be like, hey, let's just recreate that. Um, and that's fine. I mean, there'll be times for that. Uh, but other times you're going to want to, you're going to want to start from scratch and you're going to have uh, a new event or a series or something coming up that you're going to be like, what's, what's the thing we're going to make, especially for this moment. And so when it comes just to that 
that initial step of let's dream something up, I think one of the mistakes I've made a lot in the past is that I start with, well, okay, well, what's our budget? Or um, how much time do we have? Um, and those, those are the wrong questions to ask at the beginning. I think a better questions to replace those two is, one, why are we even doing this event? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I think we, we think we got to answer that question. Why are we doing this? And then, two, if I were to go to this event, if I were just someone rolling in the doors like, like a regular attendee, what would I want to experience? Like, what would actually get me excited? And so in, in that conversation, I want to throw out some ideas that are pretty bold, and I want to go for it. I want to throw out stuff that um, is achievable and stuff that's not achievable, but I really I just want to populate the board. Um, there's lots of different, like, subcategories uh, of, of how I've explored this, this question or of what are even all the possibilities. Um, so you can get down even into just, like, one particular type of um, emotion or aesthetic that someone could hone in on. I mean, if you think about it, even in a gathering, let's say I'm coming up with some kind of creative element for a gathering, and I wanted to do something that really highlighted the uh, the possibilities um, of audio, just something some someone could listen to. So don't worry about the set, don't worry about the video. There would be so many different possibilities in just that one category because one, there's like a whole bunch of different types of style of music that we could do. So if I want to change things up, maybe putting in a country song would be the one thing that I could do to change things up pretty drastically. Christmas is kind of the ideal time to even think about these things because Christmas, for some reason, I don't, I don't, I've never understood why this is, but when it comes to Christmas, it's like all bets are off when it comes to any genre, any mm-hmm. type of media, any type of medium. Like, it's just, you can do whatever you want at Christmas and no one bats an eye because it's just like, it, it's somehow, it's just all the rules are gone. But we could carry that mentality really into the rest of the year to any kind of gathering we have. So again, when, when it comes to audio, you're thinking um, we could do a different genre of music. We could do different instrumentation of music. Like, so there's jazz, there's country, there's hip hop, there's X, Y, Z on the genres. And then you've got, there's acapella version, there's instrumental version, there's all um, keyboards, all synths. Um, and all of these different things are all different palettes. They're not themselves the creative element. Like that's saying I'm going to do a um, an acapella jazz piece uh, is not a creative element. It's just a media. It's just a it's just a forum for something else to flow through. But I need to know those things. I need to have them on the board. I need to be populating. What are all the different things we could do? And then you expand that onto all the other different aesthetics talking visual aesthetic. We're talking different types of storytelling aesthetic. Um, I mean, one whole big category that I often will look at is nostalgia. Nostalgia is one of the most powerful emotions that exists for us. And and preachers uh, use this aesthetic all the time. Um, they, they, re- they reference back to things that have happened in history or to an old commercial or to, do you remember where you were at when this happened? Like, because they know that that is an emotional gateway to talk about something mm. that will bring people's attention forward. But we have that same capacity when it comes to creative elements. And again, there's, there's so many of these, uh, 
nostalgia, audio aesthetic, visual aesthetics. Um, there's one of my favorite categories is something that I call positive guilt, which is basically the aesthetic that every um, Compassion International video has, <laughs> where like you're watching this and you're crying and you feel bad that all these you know children are starving and you should <laughs> like you should yeah. feel bad Sarah and it's a good thing that, you, that you feel bad um but it's not a bad thing that you feel bad mm-hmm. it's um it's an opportunity for you to be moved to action and um it's so so during that dream process i'm i'm kind of filtering through a lot of those sometimes it's just me doing this process on my own like how many things can i put on the page can I write down 25 different things we can do for summer camp this year? And if I can, then that's going to increase the possibilities of one of them being good. Right. If I only write down one thing on the page, then I'm decreasing the likelihood that that one thing is really good. Um, so I want to fill up the page. I want that dreaming stage to be kind of everything and anything that could reasonably uh, be a part of what we're doing. Good. Good. Uh, and do you do this? How, how often do you do this? Is this a weekly thing where you're throwing uh, all your ideas on a page? Is this a, a big event type thing or walk me through that? Yeah, I, I definitely think we need to uh, get away from the idea of always trying to, especially the, on the Sunday to Sunday uh, schedule of thinking that we always have to one up the last Sunday. Mm. Like, uh one, that's not healthy, and two, it's impossible. So that's probably why it's unhealthy, is <laughs> because it's impossible. Um, for me, what it, it, for my particular role, it turns out being more of like um, based on events and kind of major milestones in the year of where I'm looking for. Okay. I, I'm going to start with those, and I'm going to try to focus on them. For me, that might turn out to be, I don't know, 10 or 12 in a year. Okay. So about one a month. Like some events will have like three or four creative elements in them, something like a summer camp or passion conference um, or lift conference um, might have several creative elements within that one event. So um, it's not always very even. Sometimes I'm having to cram to get three or four things done all at the same time. Um, But those I'll start with that. I'll kind of map out my whole year of looking at what are the big milestones that I got to make sure I'm thinking and I'm preparing and I'm creating the margin in my schedule to be dreaming for each of these things. And sometimes I always have a little bit of time on the front end for myself to do that on a personal level. But then ultimately I'm looking for the time when I'm, when am I going to get in the room with the pastor or whoever's in charge of this particular event and do that with them because, um, and we've talked about this uh, in, in previous episodes, but we talked about um, how I want to defer to the leader having the opportunity to also come forward and say, hey, here's kind of what I've been thinking. Here's what I've been dreaming of. So, uh, so that, yeah, that's usually only going to happen one time per event if we're lucky. (laughs) It's hard sometimes to even find the time to meet one time. Um, That's the ideal, is to at least meet once and at least go through this with a group of people. But if I can't get everyone together, I'm going to try to get at least a couple people together and try to make this happen. 
All right, so let, let's move on. Walk me through your, your next D. So first one is dream, and that's put everything down on paper and figure out um, you, you know different senses and different ways that you can present an idea. Talk to me about your next D. Well, the next D is the question when it comes to budget and time and who's going to do it. And there's going to be um, that that's, what I don't want to do is I don't want to destroy the dreaming process in the development process. Right. Um, but there will be things that take it down different paths necessarily. So there's, there's not a lot I have to say about the development process other than once you get into, I, I would hope that during the dreaming process, during what Ryan talked about earlier in the pitch and getting things put together and coming forward with more than just a one liner, come forward with a script, come forward with something that, has the has the sense of like we could actually do this and this is what it would actually look like. Hmm. Um, that's that point in the de- that's the development point is okay. What does this look like in our space? Um, we do encourage anyone here on our team who's going to be helping create environments, um, stuff that inside of our auditorium, our our worship center area or out in the hallways, or outside the building, or at another venue. Um, we encourage all those people, you need to learn Google SketchUp. Like, you need, you just need to bite the bullet. You need to go online. It's free. Download. Go download it. Sit there. Watch 10 hours of, of YouTube videos. Figure out the uh, the cursors, like the, the way to rotate stuff in that program is, is mind-boggling to me. It, it's infuriating. But I have force myself as have many people on our team we forced ourselves we got to figure it out because we need to see it like we need to see it developed in a way that we can understand it and the, the time spent doing that has great dividends later on because when then when i have to get together let's say 20 people who are going to help build this set or 20 people who are going to help build this out in the hallways or um like ryan had mentioned earlier when we have multiple locations with multiple bands who are all going to play the same original music composition, uh, like we did for Easter, we want them to play it a certain way without having to start the process over with every single one of them. Right. If we do it, if we take the time to do it one time and do it right, then we can save the time for all the different um, variations and expressions of it that are going to take place down the line. So that's the big part of the development process is, okay, we, got, we have some dreams. Now here's what it looks like. This is, this is what it's going to mean for us in real time. All right, so we have dream, we have develop. Ryan, do you have any thoughts on the next D, delegate? Yeah, I think, you know, one thing I, I'll tag on the development process is when you do a really great dream process and when you create a really great pitch process, you can – fast-track the development process because you can get feedback in the dream process, meaning when you present a really great idea, not only can you get the thumbs up on it, but you can actually get feedback on it at a very premature stage mm-hmm. when the idea is still kind of in its infancy. That way you can go straight into development and you already have feedback from your leadership so that you can really fast-track that process and start sharpening it and getting it closer as opposed to then having another meeting to go, okay, well, glad we like that idea. Now what does everybody think of this version and that version and that version? You're able to get it honed a lot quicker. 
as far as the delegation process of, of who's leading what and who's taking on what ownership, you know, the piece for me is I think it's really important to be clear um, in a meeting and go, okay, who is taking this piece? Okay, and what are you actually doing with it? When is the check-in point on it? And what is the expectation of where that will be by this point? And I think uh, a lot of times we kind of just want to have these passive kind of floaty conversations of hoping somebody will perceive um, ownership in a conversation and kind of go, I think they're talking to me. I think I should work on that. And we don't want that self-selection to happen. I want to be clear in a meeting, Jason, can you run with this piece of it and in two weeks present back with here's your update. And at that point, we expect you to be 30% through the process. Right. And that creates a just a circle of trust between um, your leadership and your team. Yeah. And not having to then go back and follow up and go, hey, where's it at? Hey, any updates? Yeah. And just always checking back in, which that creates this micromanaging culture that everybody feels like they're being controlled and managed, and nobody really wants that. I will say a portion of the delegation process that's important to me, there are pieces in certain projects that I don't care who's in the room, what, it, how many team members I have, I'm just not going to delegate some things. Because there's things that either I care about enough that I know I'm the one that's actually going to be able to execute it in the way that I want it, mm. yeah, specifically, Good. or it's the thing that I just know that's just not going to happen, and I need to utilize my gut or my intuition or my experiences, and I'm just not going to leave that to chance mm. or leave that to someone else's interpretation of it. I'm going to be abundantly clear and go, that's my piece that I'm going to own. Mm. Good, good. Uh, now, uh, Jason, you had uh, ta- talked through, I think it was Michael Hyatt, uh, kind of yeah. some levels of delegation, and I thought this was very valuable. You want to walk through those real quick? Yeah, yeah. This is not my own. Michael Hyatt is a genius when it comes to this kind of stuff. Um, one one of the things uh, that I mistakes I repeatedly made when I was early on in a leadership role is I thought that delegation had to be uniform that if I delegated, delegated a task to one person with one level of um, ownership, then I had to do that with everybody else. Or the second flaw uh, that I had was if I delegated a certain task to someone at a certain level of ownership, that I had to maintain that exact same level of ownership with that person for everything else in the future. Both of those are not true. Both of those are things that if um, we, we need to give ourselves permission to to change as we go, because certain things we're going to need some more follow-up on, and other things we're going to be able to say, "Run with it," and don't even tell me about it. Just go, just go do it. Like I don't need, I don't even need the the report about it. Just go do it. So the way Michael Hyatt breaks it down is into five levels. And I just I love these the way that he's framed this because it's just so helpful to just to even have levels just to say oh this is a level four this is a level two so this is how he breaks it down level one amounts to do exactly what I have asked you to do <laughs> which implies that you have already done all the research you know what you want you just don't have time to do it and you need this person to go do it so level one. Do exactly what I've asked you to do. That's one level of delegation. The second level is research the topic and report back to me. 
So this is so you've kind of opened it. You've kind of loosened up those reins a little bit, which is I haven't figured out exactly what I want. I need you to go do it, but then I don't need you to go all the way with it. Just go figure out what some of our options are and come back and talk to me. Three is research the topic, outline the options, and then you tell me what you think we should do. So that's, again, we've let out those, we've kind of let out the rope even further that you're going to let someone go, figure out, make some decisions, but then maybe not execute fully. It's still going to be a little bit of a collaborative process. Level four of delegation, make a decision and then tell me what you did. This is, I think this is what most of us think delegation amounts to, is just this one level. And so even just knowing that there were other levels before this is helpful. But that's kind of, I think, what most people think is you go do that, but then keep me in the loop. I need, I need some reports back. So, but that's, in Michael Hyatt's terms, that's actually level number four. And then level five is uh, make whatever decision you think is best. And so that's, that could be something small, or it could just be someone that you totally know is going to crush this, and you have no doubt in your mind about it. You just say, just go do it. Don't even send me an email about it. I'll see it when it comes up on the screen on Sunday or whatever, any situation like that. Most of us, uh, including myself, are going to want to either polarize to number five, which mm-hmm. is I have to let this person do it and never micromanage any of it, or number one, which is really I'm going to do all the work, but then you're going to do it. Yeah. Um, and usually it's the healthiest in my opinion, after having actually used this level of delegation, is usually not to do one or five. It's mm-hmm. to sit somewhere in the middle, depending on, is this person really gifted in this area? I need them to help me, but maybe this is not their strong point, so I'm going to need a little bit more conversation to happen. Or the other way, like, um, this, is, this is their sweet spot, but it's really important, and I'm not the only one involved in this, so... I'm going to let them go do it and make the decisions and execute it, but I also need them to still send me back the reports to give me an update. And kind of like Ryan said, it's good to specify what are those target points, what are the deadlines, where's the check-in point. Um, As a leader, you don't want to always be surprising all the people on your team with sudden checkups. It can cause chaos and insecurity. And we all know how creative people work. We're we're all so insecure as it is, mm-hmm. as a you know, at the baseline level. We're all so attached to our art that someone dropping in and being like, "Let me see how you're doing. Let me see that halfway through draft number two. Like yeah. that that's enough to, to send panic and, and sheer terror through the life of a creative person. Just set some goals. Just say, "Hey, um, this is playing on Sunday. By Wednesday night, can we uh, can you send us the draft, and then we'll talk about talk about it on Thursday morning." Something that simple can relieve a world of problems. Um, but yeah. failing to say that and then just dropping in on Thursday morning and saying, where are you at? Like, that can be enough to, to create long-term problems with the relationship side of things. Absolutely. So it's good to have some clear goals, some clear delegation levels for someone to know how much ownership, um, whether or not to execute and then report back or just to run with it. Um, I also say that this is actually a really great way to lead up. Is that if you have a leader who's not who is not saying these things, that you should not push yourself into category one or five. Right. So if I have, if the pastor asks me to do something, but then doesn't ever give me a deadline, 
that doesn't mean that he doesn't want a, a report or right. that he doesn't want me to check back in. Yeah. And so I need to go ahead and kind of self-delegate some of that when I'm being asked to do something. I need to go and say, you know what? He wants this for Sunday, but I'm going to go ahead and send it to him on Thursday so that he has enough time to look at it, review it, make sure it's what he wants, and then we can still make some changes if we need to. Right, or ask him the questions there before the process or uh, get some yeah. clear de- yeah, get get some clear answers from him before you go and go into production on it or whatever. Um, awesome. Yeah, and what, one other thing on that I would add, too, is is when especially when you have been delegated to updates, even if there's no action, are helpful. Right. So if you're working on a project and you're not making any headway on it and you're still within your deadline constraints, going to your leader and going, hey, I just wanted to let you know I'm still working on X. I'm kind right. of hitting some headwind, but I just wanted you to know I'm still working on it. I'll have an update for you in two days. Right. But being proactive, and that way you're kind of closing that loop so that your leader's not sitting there going, I don't know. I mean, I hope. Right. They've got two days. I haven't heard anything. I hope it's – but when we can be proactive in that, and even a update of no update right. is better than no update at all. Perfect. Good word. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's a good word. This has been an all-access interview from 1230 Media. For more interviews, training, and exclusive content for your production team, visit 1230.media slash training. Bless you, Lewis. Welcome home. All of Torrance was praying for your safe return. Miracles didn't save me, Padre. A couple of atomic bombs did that. <laughs> You're Louis Amparini, aren't you? Thank you. For what? For preserving the free world for silly girls like me. <laughs> People from all over the country want to know if you're going to run in the London Olympics. What's this? If you're going to train for London, you have to do it right. Just go nice and easy, see if you can make it all the way around. You think you can run a 4-7 mile again? I would be doing this if I didn't. I don't run to run. I run to win. You will never escape me. Wherever you go, I will find you. Are you sleeping well? You're having any night sweats or nightmares? I just thought I'd be able to forget everything. I want to go home! There is no home. Why is God silent? Why good men suffer? Why doesn't he stop the pestilence? Why doesn't he stop the wars? You need help. Here tonight, there's a drowning man. Just looking for some type of hope for the future. But there's a lifeline. Just reach out. These men did terrible things to you. Unbroken. Path to redemption. Now in theaters. What are you going to say to them? Hey guys, that was the trailer for the new movie Unbroken, Path to Redemption. I recently had the opportunity to chat with Luke Zamperini, 
who's the son of the legendary Louis Zamperini, about the film and his dad's legacy. You can check out the full interview on our blog at 1230.media forward slash blog. But here's a little clip of our convo. Check this out. Uh, well, the, the producer of the, the original film, Matt Baer, uh, he, he knew that there was not enough time in the first film to tell the entire story. And uh, so he and Angelina Jolie, who was the director, uh, you know, they, the, they came up with an appropriate end for the first movie. And then Matt got busy right away. Uh, getting uh, permission from Universal to st- to start the the, uh, the the second film to to continue the story. So we we it's been in the work for worked for a few years, and uh, so that was the, the motivation to do it. We wanted to tell the rest of the story, and uh, with the of course Angelina was unable to uh, to direct this second film, and we got Harold Cronk to do it, and it turned out he was the right man to tell this portion of my father's story, which, of course, is the climax of his uh, life story. If you want to learn more about our podcast, listen to past shows and get free resources for your church, visit thechurchmediapodcast.com for more information. Thechurchmediapodcast.com forward slash 160 We'll get you to the show notes page for this episode, thechurchmediapodcast.com forward slash 160. On the next Church Media Podcast. Next week on the show, I'm going to welcome Jason and Ryan back for one last time. We'll wrap up the topic we started today on putting your creative ideas into action. Also in two weeks on the show, I'll welcome Alan Keyes from Streams Church. We're going to be talking about the best tools for collaborating with your team. That's on the way. Thank you for listening this week. Go out there, guys, and create some incredible experiences this weekend. I'll catch you next week. The Church Media Podcast is a production of the Ministry of 1230 Media and produced by David Michael Hyde. For show notes, archive episodes, and more free resources for your team, visit thechurchmediapodcast.com.